Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Hal Lira. Welcome to another episode of To the Table, in which two people give each other a movie to review and they talk about it. So, uh, with me, I have uh, Peter Martinez. Now, to break the ice, uh, Peter gave me uh, another A24 uh, classic, um, Swiss Army Man, and I gave him uh, a Matt Damon movie. Uh, called Downsizing, uh, in which uh, he has not seen, and I thought it would be pretty interesting for uh, to get his reaction to it. Um, I going in first. I I want to go first. I want to go first uh, with this. You you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Usually, okay. Because usually I, I give it to you and you go first and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I I have a lot to say about Swiss Army Man. Oh. I think that'll work then, because uh, I don't have much to say about downsizing. So i i want to I want to go out front, uh, just plain out saying that I really dug the living shit out of Swiss Army Man. It, it's so. Well, do you want okay? T- me t- to t- tell, tell me, you? tell me, why did you give me this movie? I mean, I get I get the feeling why, maybe. Uh, but I want to see if I'm right. Uh, tell me, tell me why did you uh, give me Swiss Army Man? Uh, s- well, first of all, Swiss Army Man is about a man that's kind of, and again, we don't know how much of this is real. They're not trapped on an island. He finds a dead body, and it, he's able to escape on riding the dead body, and it <laughs> becomes basically like a Swiss army he's able to survive using the body for a multitude of things like he uses it to start fires and stuff and then it starts speaking to him and they have this little adventure I don't want to spoil anything else but that's bas- the basic plot of Swiss army man um, I gave it to you because when I started seeing this film I was like this film's weird <laughs> and the first time I started watching it but by the end of the film I really fell in love with it um it's it's surprisingly a kind of optimistic film um and and i feel like i give a lot of either like horror films or negative type yeah sometimes well and i felt we we're shaping out to be a very negative network (laughs) on this year red spotlight entertainment so uh uh, it's maybe (laughs) it's great to see something like just downright goofy and insane of how goofy it is i i can't remember where it premiered um sundance or you know one of those things but apparently what people walked out um pretty early because of fart jokes and stuff yeah. like that but i wanted you to see it because i think and yet people I, stick I figured around you like would shit like minions and all that stuff but <laughs> well <laughs> The same people that go to Sundance, I'm not sure they're the same ones that go see Minions. Oh, I, I will s- I'm firm I'm a firm believer that the people at Sundance will love all the Illumination stuff. Okay. Well, hopefully the Grinch will premiere there. Um with Bennett I, Cumberbatch as the Grinch. <laughs> um I, w- I wanted you to see it because I figured it would be something you as well would appreciate. It felt along the lines of something because I know, I know your tastes, and in some points we have similar tastes, and I figured this would be one of those points up my alley, so to speak. Yes. Um, I 
as I as I said before, uh, I dug the living shit out of this movie. It really, uh, I want to go out and say that I absolutely loathe fart jokes. I I hate bodily humor, and it's so crass and like it's done a billion times. It's run its course. It's freaking zombified. It's as dead as the corpse of Daniel Radcliffe in this movie. Uh, that's how that's how much uh, I despise the the bodily humor uh, jokes. But in this, because it was so uh, opposite of mundane, I'm trying to think of the I'm trying to think of a term for that. Uh, unique. It's unique, and the way that there it's was, presented amongst itself. There was story purpose to all that. Yeah, but like when. I, I knew that I was going to love this film going in, right when uh, Paul Dono was riding uh, Daniel Radcliffe like a freaking jet ski just for the propelling of his farts. That right there, I was like, okay, okay, this is the kind of movie I'm getting into. Um, the acting is great. Uh, Paul Dono acted well in this. I love the... <laughs> they're sprinkling... Uh, I don't know if it's like French, like deep friendship, or like uh, there there's some sort of uh, uh, homo undertones, especially when uh, when he's when <laughs> when he's dressed like uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which I was surprised to see that she had like a little bit of this movie. She's usually in a lot of good movies. I noticed. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, what did what did you get out of? the 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 film what did you feel it was trying to say i i mean they daniel radcliffe pretty much uh said it right off uh in one of the scenes he's like what is life you know why why live the way you know just like uh enjoy uh bits and moments of life because life is so uh boring and uh, it like life has become monotonous, and you need some extreme once in a while to break up the monotony of uh, of life. And that a, a farting corpse that just so happens to talk is is uh, the complete opposite of monotony. And uh, it's like saying, "Hey, you know, just take a take a breath, take a chill." Um, I don't know if you felt that way uh, going into the movie. Uh, uh, I got very different things out of the film. But, I mean, I'm not saying that as as a negative way. Like, I know um, a YouTuber, what's his name? Bobby something. He saw it as, like, talking about transgenderism, and I didn't get that at all. So, I mean, you could get a lot of different things out of this film, but what I got um, was more along the lines of... Um, it, learning to love oneself and accept oneself because you notice through, throughout the film they do it in a very silly way but I think that's why they did it really unique they touch on you know societal norms when it comes to sexuality when it comes to you know you know love and death and you know farting and and I think the whole thing was like through this almost childlike, you know, person, which was Harry Potter. He was a corpse. Uh, 
um, he was kind of re-confronting societal norms and the way he viewed life and the fact that, you know, he was just sort of floating through life. And sort of to, I think it was more about just finding love in oneself and in life. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, throughout the film, he's kind of obsessed with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, but I think by the end of the film, so are her he seven exes. Like, <laughs> so are her seven. <laughs> he's the lost ex. Um, Be warned, Alexis Soto, it is coming soon. And I will make you watch it. <laughs> wow. Um,. Yeah, he he was like obsessed with uh, with that picture, and he kept on uh, trying to keep it on, like because that's his wallpaper on his phone, and uh, that's what that's kind of like his. It it kind of reminded me of the pocket watch in uh, in Castaway, uh, where it had where it had uh, Helen Hunt's uh, picture in there. Picture. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that kind of uh, kind of thing. Uh, but then also, you don't know how much of this is just a guy who mentally broke down. Because, of, you know, if he's on an island, you, you see all kinds of stuff floating. And, like, I think there were letters and stuff. And he almost kills himself, but that's when he finds the corpse. Um, see, by the time we got to the end of the film and you realize, oh, shit, he's been in Mary Elizabeth Winstead's backyard this whole time. Spoilers. Um all of these are always spoilers. In my mind, I'm like, oh, he's he's kind of, like, cracked. And he got to the point where he was going to kill himself. But then he found this corpse, you know. And it, it had nothing. Like, someone just probably died and was, was in, left in the woods. And he just, in his own broken mind, went through this journey and learned self-acceptance and, you know, love of life and stuff like that. And to not be afraid to be oneself. And then, you know, you realize at the end, like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> um, he was like, you know, this is, it wasn't actually literal. It was more, you know, going on in his head. But then at the very end, uh, the corpse farts. Farts <laughs> off into doesn't. the sunset. <laughs> and then... I was like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, where I was just like, "What the fuck?" fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't. At that point, I was like, "Okay, I don't know." Um, uh, but as a whole, I, I think it works unbelievably well. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, I think it's, it's like kind of like just indie, wonderful, and like upbeat. indie pop. Uh, it's, yeah. it's good. It's a really good uh, soundtrack. According to I looked. I did a little bit of research uh, after after watching this movie because usually with these to the tables, I have to watch a movie twice. Um, really, I have to watch a movie twice. Like, okay, this is my initial reaction. Let me put on my uh, let me put on my uh, critiquing hat on and <laughs> and and uh, judge this movie and see if it holds up the second time. Um, after my second viewing, I did a little bit of research of the movie. And, uh, like, number one, they played bits of the score on set, uh, which is pretty interesting. That whole final scene, uh, they played the, they played on, like, a, on a speaker, the score, uh, to help with, like, the emotion and, like, everything going around. And you could see it. 
you can see it. It's like it's brilliant. It's a cleverly uh, uh, spliced with the emotion that's going on and the score and everything. So that was a nice little uh, little thing. Uh, the movie is shot really good. I really like the the um, the shot choices between uh, between a lot of things. Uh, the way that they decided to intercut between uh, the quote quote love aspect of the mind and the um, and the self-loathing part of the part of the mind the way that they intercut that with each other especially when uh, Daniel Radcliffe a uh, Manny I think that's his name um, mm -hmm. when he's thinking and the way he's his thought process goes uh, you could definitely see uh, those two aspects uh, interchanging and that's where you know usually like confidence and all that stuff and that that that's where your uh, the way that you saw it uh, this film uh, you could definitely see where the confidence edge of these two characters uh, come together in that uh, retrospect and that right there was a really clever way to to put it and I really liked uh, the way that they interchanged uh, those two synapses of the mind uh, when he started talking and asking him all these questions um, I, I, I'm i going to say that the chemistry between Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dono is explicitly awesome I, I, I just I love their uh, their interchanges I like uh, the like the innocent mind of uh, of uh, Daniel Radcliffe and the way that uh, you have somebody t with innocence uh, talking with somebody who's jaded, um, and that's uh, that's always uh, that's always a good thing. So I really like those uh, interconnects. Uh, it is uh, it, it when they're doing the bus sequence when they when they make when they remake the bus. I uh, mm -hmm. I really that was a really well done scene. Just seeing, uh, Sarah quote unquote Sarah when uh, he's dressed like when he's dressed like her Paul Dano, um, trying to reconnect his memory. I also it was hilarious because this is like I I hate bodily uh humor and I like I hate when they like oh you're doing that again, um but it's so funny how. Daniel Radcliffe's boner was a compass. Um. <laughs> but I think that's that's funny because it makes you either laugh or feel uncomfortable comfortable by like either, you know, far sexual type jokes. But then they're like, okay, but why why is that funny? You know, that's that's something that everyone feels, something everyone does. Why why do we put shame on ourselves? for something that's normal and, and 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 that's kind of the i thought that was it was well done the way that was integrated like when he when uh paul dono finally farts in front of everybody that was that was his triumphant moment <laughs> and like the orchestral swell coming yes. up and i i noticed it, it, it's a it's a subtle touch that the uh, the swell of the orchestra matched with uh with the with the fart uh tone yes. and it made it that much more hilarious you see it's cleverly done you don't have to just say haha he farted uh you could just be no it was it was the it was meant to represent the fact that he he finally accepted himself and and you know was 
I think that's that's really well done. You know, th- these kind of films that have a lot of um, aren't. It isn't necessarily clear whether they're metaphorical, completely metaphorical. You know, is it real or isn't it real? Actually happening within the film um, world. You know, you have films where it's just straight narrative, mm-hmm. um, and then you have films that are more like you. You're not sure. Um, how much is real and how much is just metaphor for the feelings and the themes going on within the film. But I think the best films that handle that um, kind of, that tackle that are the films that at least have a strong central um, story while all the metaphorical shit is going all around it. Like this one, it's very much about the connection between Paul Dano and um, the corpse. (laughs) And the way that their relationship grows. So you you latch onto that, and then it's able to carry you through some of the other shit where you're like, is this go- actually going on or not? Like, what's actually happening? Yeah. Um, and I think the best films are able are do it are able to do that. One thing I must say about the movie is that I did not expect the corpse to talk. I thought. Daniel Radcliffe is just going to be like a limp noodle throughout the whole thing, and then he starts talking, and they actually have dialogue. And I'm like, of course, of course, they couldn't just, like, not give Daniel Radcliffe anything to say, because he's Daniel Radcliffe, and he's Harry Potter. You're going to have Harry Potter talk in your movie. So, Mm. um, so I thought that was a really interesting, the whole, a. I thought it was going to all be subconsciously. I thought he was talking to him subconsciously, and I thought that was the whole thing. But at the end, when you see him uh, jet skiing off into the sunset, and and then he's smiling, I was like, okay, okay, it's one of those kind of movies. It's one of those kind of uh, uh, ambiguous kind of endings, and I I really like that kind of touch. It's just a really... uh, there's only so many times... Like, it's like... It's like judging a bad comedy, kind of. Uh, you... There's only so many times you could say... Uh, oh, that was not funny. That Oh, that was not funny. That scene was not funny. Um, there's only so many times with a really good film like this... Where, like, there's, literally, there's almost, like, no complaints. I don't know if you... Because I know you... Uh, even with like the most like a uh, uh, well received movie, you'll have like uh, Peter Martinez here. will have a laundry list of uh, complaints of uh, negatives on a movie. Um, I, on the other hand, uh, don't have any with this one. I, I re- really, yeah. Uh, it started off really somber, and then it got lighter and lighter and lighter. Uh, as the as the movie progressed and uh, that whole scene with the bear uh, it, it was so ridiculous like the way that he used like the uh, his ass as like a flamethrower and everything like that is just really really uh, I, I guess the the one word I could describe this movie is spontaneous. And that's what I felt like this movie was. It was very spontaneous. Uh, and I loved its spontaneity. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> uh, 
Um, A24. I, I really admire this this uh, film studio. Um, I Really? Because when I mentioned them a while ago and said this is like the best studio out there, you and Mr. Alexis Soto were like, well, it's not Disney. Oh, well, we're, we're part of the cult, you see. In the name of the mouse, the duck, and the goof, amen. You know, that's... That's uh, that's part of the cult ritual, so to speak. You know, so you gotta. It's disgusting. You gotta put that plug in there. You know, so. Uh, but A twenty four is shaping up really good. I saw a movie. I want to know if you've seen it or not, because I'm tempted to uh, give you that as a, as a you're next to the table. Um, and oh boy, what is and it? And it came from a A twenty four. I have you. Uh, do you want to talk about uh do you want to get into uh our next movie that we're gonna do or do you want to well just ask me real quick right now then we can okay have you seen the movie free fire oh no i have really okay okay that's your next to the table okay um that's that's fine yeah. No, I, I had I had was really interested in it, but I never got around to seeing it. Yeah, it has it has it has Brie Larson, so everything's right. That's th- that's what got you to watch it. I know everything's right in the world. Um, so yeah, I I can't really say much more about Swiss Army Man. I I like the I like the uh, I guess like reference in the title Swiss Army Man instead of Swiss Army Knife. He's a Swiss Army Man and. He could do many things with it. He was just like sh- he made him a gun at one point, and that was hilarious. Just like shoving rocks and shoving like, uh, like a grappling hook and using him throughout the whole thing, and that was pretty funny. Um, it was just a funny, heartfelt movie, and of this kind of uh, spontaneous nature, this kind of movie is very hard to come by. Uh, it's like having a it's like having a rare bottle of brandy and uh, and it goes down just as smoothly um, there are uh, it, it has a for some people it may have a bad aftertaste because of the kind of humor style it uh, chooses for itself but other than that I think that it's a fine a bottle of brandy and that's the way i could describe this movie is that it's a it's a good bottle it's a good year good make good company uh that's what the, that's what i could say about uh swiss army man so uh shall we get in why why did you give me downsizing um because um it's the uh, movie that I could think at the time that you have not seen yet, so I gave it to you. <laughs> um, I, okay, all seriousness, I think that it was. It feels like a movie that Tim Burton would have made in the late '80s, early '90s. Really? That's the way I feel. <laughs> like the bizarre nature of it, and the. It, it just felt like something like uh, Henry Selleck or, you know, Tim Burton, more more leaning on Tim Burton, like kind of that, like, oh, what happens if everybody was shrunk down? And that felt like a, that felt like a Tim Burton-y idea at the time, minus, minus like 
some some macabre. I mean, you definitely get some macabre uh, in there sprinkled in. But I thought that this would be this was an interesting kind of movie. Uh, so that's why I, I was like, what what is your what is? I wonder what Peter's take on this movie would be. I mean, isn't that isn't that what this uh, what to the table is all about? Trying to get each other's takes on uh, different things. That's I guess in in the spirit of the theme of the podcast itself. So, uh, Peter, what did you think of downsizing? <laughs> That's not good going in. <laughs> What okay okay the uh, better question what makes it so eh, 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 eh. I I'll put it this way and I think I've put it this way with other films that you've given me before it feels like one of those movies that like would would come on on HBO and it's like from the 90s or something like that and it's like oh I've I had those famous people. I've never heard of it before. And then, and then you watch it and like, oh, it's kind of cool, you know. Uh, I wonder why I've never heard of it before. And then it ends and you're like, it was whatever. I kind of get why I never heard of it before. And it never really did anything with its premise. And that's the way I kind of feel with uh, downsizing. It does have a very like fun and interesting premise. Um, this whole idea of like, oh yeah, where everyone's downsizing and, and it's to help the earth, and then they move to these, you know, small small villages, and because of the way that like their money transfers, they're like super rich. Like I think there's just so many like great and interesting ways you can go with that, mm-hmm. and the movie was just kind of eh. It just went for the absolute most simple, boring, like, avenue to to tell a story with the premise of downsizing. It was, it, it, first of all, it's very on the nose with its messages of like, oh, the earth's gonna die, and da 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 da. Like, we get it, Matt Damon. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> Would you rather watch him uh, making shit potatoes? Yes. <laughs> um, but it's like the whole thing is like, oh, you know, he's left here and, you know, the second part of his life. And then he meets the uh, activist maid. And then at the end, it's like, oh, he chooses to be with her and help. And it's just like... Okay. Like, I don't know. I just feel like with a premise like that, there's just so many other things you could do, really. And better ways, I think, you can tell your message as well without being on the nose of, like, the end is near. I, okay, I love hearing your pitches. Okay, mm-hmm. what would you uh, pitch as a better version of this movie? Oh, as a better version? Yeah. Oh, God. To be honest, uh, I I don't... There's there's just so many directions I think you could do with it. I, first of all, I think it, it needs a quirkier touch. Uh-huh. 
I think because it does feel very like on the like by the numbers. Like there, you know, there's a lot of films where you see their premise, and you're like, "Eh, that sounds boring." But just through the the touch of the the creative people making the film, specifically, usually the director, they turn something that would seem almost mundane into you know very magical. Like Edward Scissorhands. Uh huh. If if another person other than Tim Burton had directed that script since we're talking about Tim Burton that probably would have been boring like it it, it, re- it really would have had no style or heart to it whatsoever it would have just been shot kind of because you know the way that Tim Burton makes like um the white picket fences houses yeah he like glamorizes and, suburbia and that is a and that is that was pretty much his style back then uh, and mm-hmm. then you got that with uh, with Beetlejuice as well, and that was but then kind of also the same like thing as well. the quirky sense of humor and stuff like that. Uh, I it is very uh, it, it's it, it's kind it, it's a hard movie to pinpoint, uh, and I was like. Because I can't, I came out of the movie liking it. I came out of the movie liking it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same thing with you. If you came out liking the the movie as well, or if you're more like whatever about it. Um, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, it. I liked. Uh, I liked the actors. <laughs> See, that's the thing too. It just—it feels like you have all these great actors. The only one that was giving even anything to really do was that Asian actress. Uh huh. And I don't know what her her real name is, but she was maybe like the most interesting part of the film. Because she like gave she gave uh she gave. I was surprised that this movie was rated R. It's because they said the f word a couple times. Yeah, um, Swiss Army Man. I could I could definitely tell that it was a R movie because one of the main one of the main aspects of the journey is that uh, is the corpse's boner is a fucking uh, uh, compass. They didn't they didn't show anything. I know, I know, but like it's like a major uh, a major point in the movie. Um. So I, I I could definitely see why that movie would be rated R, but this one, it feels like a it feels like a tame PG thirteen movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's what uh, I. Yeah, I I just uh, I just didn't I just like went in I like okay I that was that was definitely interesting that was definitely interesting I like the sets and the way that they designed the world. The world was uh, pretty well designed. I liked uh, uh, everything with that, but it seems like uh, it seems like. Uh, did you feel that way, or was it just like, eh? I saw another movie. They were fine. Again, the premise I found to be rather interesting, and I think with like uh, someone really talented, both behind the screen and maybe script writing. It could have been something special. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it could have gotten across its messages without just being like, well, this is what we believe, and uh, now let's continue and make the movie, like, basically just rip off rom-coms, <laughs> a rom-com story, and put it onto downsizing. He is really one of those, like, unfortunate things where it's like, it's just whatever it's like you know there's so many films made every year about like 10% of them are actually really good maybe even less and then like a whole bunch of them like a whole whole bunch are just okay and then uh, a little smaller amount are just like bad I'm detecting, and this is one of those that are just like. <laughs> I'm detecting, uh, that this movie, uh, for you, was I. Mm-hmm. Uh, really like, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, I I could picture your face watching the movie, and I. In your in your mind, you're like, oh, I'd rather be watching Star Wars: The Last Jedi. For, <laughs> that piece of crap for the fortieth time. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't know about time. you, but it turned me off mm-hmm. that that purple-haired chick was in the movie. <laughs> Women in charge. Oh my god! Hey, Lord Dern is an aspect of both of these movies because uh, Paul Dono's favorite movie was Jurassic Park. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So I, I, you, you loved that montage scene, huh? Na, 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 na. Oh, when uh, when they were doing like the quote unquote theater, uh, yeah. scene and watching all the shadow puppets reenacting the movies. Yeah, great shadow puppet work, by the way. I. Uh, yeah, I think I think that'll be. Uh, so is that do you have any more thoughts well, on uh, downsizing I'll, I'll say this it's like um, I can't remember who said this once but I remember hearing it the worst thing I think they said a, a review because I think it was about like making movie reviews on YouTube and stuff like that the worst thing can be is boring and I apply that very much to films the worst thing a film can be is boring like that's why i'm always like swing for the fucking fences every single time you make a film you're spending a lot of other people's money why not um <laughs> it's like that's why it's batshit insane uh great or batshit insane horrible movies are supposed to um what's it called an illicit uh, illicit elicit emotional reactions the worst thing a film can do is not do that that's why i'd much rather like 120 percent have a bvs than a justice league okay that's that's my type of thing so you okay so going on record Mm -hmm. you had fun with bvs 
No, 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 no. I never said I had fun. I said it elicited emotional reactions. It may not have elicited the emotional reactions that the film wanted to elicit, but I at least felt something while I was oh, watching it. pure hatred. I didn't say what I felt. <laughs> I said I felt something. And I much rather feel something while watching a film than just sitting there numb. You know, I remember watching Justice League and I was just like the film was just sort of happening and I was just kind of there and I felt literally nothing. Um, and I much rather, you know, a film, like I said, a film should either, if you're going to do a bad film, like don't be afraid of making a bad film because if it turns out to be really bad, people will still enjoy it to a certain extent, you know, it'll still have purpose. Are we and if really... you end up succeeding, you'll make a really good uh-huh. film. But if, I feel like downsizing is one of those things where it's like they shot for the middle. They had a, a pretty good initial idea and they shot for the middle at every part of the film. And that's why at the end of the day, I was like, well, I just kind of don't care. <laughs> Are we really doing the Justice League audio commentary? <sighs> There's a lot of other ones we're supposed to do. We're definitely doing solo. Uh, that's for damn sure. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I'll set it out. You and Alexis go watch it. <laughs> no, 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 no. If anything, it should be a solo audio commentary. Oh, oh, oh. With the like, with the Kyle Lyra. Oh my God! I'm just gonna say, okay. Let me tell you why the prequels are better. <laughs> And, and which in which I'm gonna get like a snarky reply later on on Messenger. This is usually how it works, people behind the scenes. Okay, uh, usually I I say something that uh, that rouses anger, and both Alexis and Peter come at me uh, with fire and fury, um, and come down on me so hard with "You're wrong." And let me tell you why you're wrong. And go into a two-hour in-depth uh, description on why I'm wrong. And that's usually how it works behind the scenes. Uh, so, especially from uh, Alexis. Alexis Soto usually goes into the point where he's like pointing fingers and saying, Well, you said this, so what What about that? And usually, uh, usually goes off of that. And that's his whole argument. Kyle, all you have to do is be right, and then you won't have to deal oh with anything. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's like... <laughs> that's all you have to do. It's like nobody could be different people and have different opinions no. anymore. Of course, this is the I'm... internet. Uh, we can't... Why, why would we allow someone to have a different opinion than ourselves? That's ridiculous. That That is very internet logic. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i yeah speaking of dra- okay going off going off topic right here uh from the movies because we we said all we we could uh are you excited for jurassic world <sighs> damn <laughs> That's my response right there. Damn. Okay. Um, honestly, I'm saying I'm kind of whatever about uh, Jurassic Jurassic World doing the whole uh, thing. So yeah. Uh, 
anyway, that was uh, this episode of To the Table. Did you like what you heard here? And if you did, you could check out podcast.com, iTunes.com, and uh, Google Play. Uh, and also, if you want to see our bright and shining faces, go check out YouTube without further... Oh, wait, what movie are you going to give me for the next uh, To the Table? Uh, didn't I tell you? Oh, uh, Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her. What, what, who's in it? What, what is it? Okay, it stars, uh, Benny Han, or what's her name? The one who's married to, um, Snake Plissken. Ego. The Living Planet. Oh, uh, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Yeah. I don't know why I said Betty. Um, Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis. It was directed by, um... What's his name? The one who directed Forrest Gump. Oh, uh, Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, yes. Robert, Robert Zemeckis' film came out, I think, 1992. It is a dark comedy. Um, and I recently rewatched it, and I was like, wow. I remember watching it when I was way younger, and I remember liking it. And it was, and, and it's more of an adult dark comedy, and I was like, but I remember liking it, and then I rewatched it the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this is great. I really like this film." Um, and it has, again, it has our kind of sense of humor. So I think you can't go wrong with Robertson. Okay, so that's all I'm saying. I think you'll like next it. Next episode with us is going to be uh, free Fo- free fire and uh, death becomes mm-hmm. her. That'll be uh, very interesting. You, you know, mm-hmm. you know, half of it is just going to be uh, Brie Larson appreciation. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Hey, sh- by the- you know what? Maybe, maybe Alexis was right. Maybe I shouldn't have shown you Scott Pilgrim. May- oh, oh, by the way, uh, you guys, check out uh, the latest single from uh, Clash at Demon Head. Uh, it's coming out to record stores near you, so check that out anyway i'm kyle Lira. with me is uh peter martinez a little sneak preview of the next to the table we're going to be doing is uh me and alexis soto uh we're gonna have like a chaplain charlie chaplin themed episode and uh i gave him robert downey jr's a uh, chaplain and uh he gave me a charlie chaplin movie called modern times wait Wait, wait, wait. We, we always have to find a theme for each episode. What was the theme with this episode? Lord Dern. Okay. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, check you guys out under the spotlight. Bye.